I am the founder of Asian Hustle Network, Brian Vong Pham, the co-founder of Hate is a Virus, a venture partner at Outlier Fund, and currently we started our age and venture fund as well to reinvest back into our community. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Thank you, Brian. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? It means a lot of things, right? And I guess growing up, I wasn't surrounded by too many Vietnamese people for me to understand what does it mean to be Vietnamese. It wasn't until I got older that I realized that the Vietnamese community is pretty darn cool. Like we're so accommodating. We really like to party and we're all about family and taking care of each other, right? So like that's pretty, to me, very unique about being Vietnamese. First off, uh, before we start, I want to congratulate you for the recent uh, engagement. Thank Congratulations you so much. to you, Maggie. Thank you. It's crazy. It's a, it's a big life move, right? And it's like the next stage of life is right around the corner. Yeah, and I commend you for it because I think a lot of the people in your generation today, um, for one reason or another, it makes sense to me why they don't do it. You know, it makes sense why um, young people are just not into it. You know, the sometimes are difficult and just getting together it's a it's a tough thing right yeah it's it's i mean like listen to our parents story and like understanding like when they got married it's like they got married like when they're like 23 24 right i'm at the age where i'm like in my mid-30s and all my friends are still single as heck (laughs) i'm like oh man like when are we gonna have kids and stuff like i'm in my mind i feel like we're so far behind already yeah i look at the younger generation, it just keeps, well, my generation started with uh, being very late, you know, um, a lot of us are still not married and being 40 was when I got married. And then looking at your generation, it doesn't even seem like anybody's interested in getting married or even dating. <laughs> well, dating. Yes. Well, like we all have commitment problems right now. <laughs> so where did you grow up? So I grew up in San Gabriel Valley, which is next to Monterey Park in a suburb in Los Angeles. And there is some Vietnamese, but mostly Chinese. Yeah, I grew up around a lot of Chinese people, like a lot of Taiwanese, a lot of Chinese, sprinkling some Korean, some Japanese. But for the most part, if you want to get like, if you want to be involved in your culture, it's like you go to Westminster. Yeah, right? 45 minutes away. Yeah, yeah, but it's mostly Chinese and Mexican, you know, and yeah, right. It's definitely changed throughout the years too. Like, I I guess growing up, it was like pretty even between like Asians and Mexicans. And then nowadays, I feel like the Asians just (laughs) overtook the entire city. I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. There's so many Asian restaurants everywhere. Totally. It's like a huge um, melting pot of all the Asian cultures in the 626. Very unique uh, place to, to grow up. Yeah, yeah. You understand the Asian dynamic really well. Right. It's like you see yourself distinctly as Vietnamese or distinctly as Chinese because people make it very obvious that yeah. you're Vietnamese and you're Chinese. And that's unique to our area because it's, it's like probably like a 90 percent Asian population in the 66 area. You know, I want to definitely get back into the 626 and the dynamics of, um, you know, stop Asian hate in the Bay Area and you know, in the 626 is very different. But before we get to all of that good stuff, I want to talk about AHN because that's what we're really here for. Yeah. yeah, really here for, for that. What inspired you to start it? Oh, man. 
lots of factors inspired me to start it. I think at the time I was doing real estate and I realized that, so real estate is heavily dominated by the Asian community as well. Like Asian people love real estate. You love talking about it, love buying it. <laughs> like do everything with real estate, right? So I think at the time, like five, six years ago, I started in real estate and I realized that the Asian community was so fragmented, right? Because I, you know, you're flipping houses. I used to flip, I used to flip houses and you realize that you run into a lot of problems and the people that usually bail you out are the people of the same ethnic group as you, mm. right? And it's like, oh no, I, I messed up. Like people are like, oh yeah, I'll go find a Vietnamese contractor. He'll, he'll, he'll do it for cheap. And I realized that the Asian community is so fragmented because like the, the Korean community would just kind of ignore me. The Chinese community kind of ignore me. I'm just like, what the heck, man? Like we're, we're all one family here. Like why, why don't we help each other and be more abundant? So that was one factor of like, wow, like why is the Asian community so fragmented? But at the same time, when I was working my tech job, I realized that, you know, most of the upper execs are white and it's like, they kind of keep them themselves and don't want to, they have this stigma against the Asian community, community that we're not leaders, that we're not strong, that we don't speak up and all these things. And having the idea of like, wow, the Asian community is so fragmented. And yet the only way for us to advance in societies is to work together, but sort of like the premise of Asian Hustle Network, right? right. And luckily for me, I got to the point in real estate where I guess making money wasn't too satisfying for me. Like I just, I had like no purpose, right? I just, like just making money and not really thinking much about it. And that kind of led me down the path. Like, what is the point of life? Like, what should I do in life that makes me happy? And it led me down to the question of like, what does retirement look like for me? What does true passion look like for me? And, and for me, it's like, I always like listening to people's story and I like helping people. So that became the premise of Asian Hustle Network. Um, and then a couple of years later, it's like, I kept brainstorming about it. I kept thinking about it. I kept whiteboarding about it. I kept talking to Maggie about it. I'm just like, we need to do something. I just don't know what it is. And I guess when Subtle Asian Treats came out and I saw the power of Facebook and I saw the power of community that I'm just like, we need something like this for the professional side, right? I don't want people to make fun of our community anymore. I don't want to be associated with food. I don't mean associated with memes. I don't want to associate with jokes, right? We've been wow. associated with jokes for so long. And that's, that's the premise for me to be, to create Asian Hustle Network through a Facebook group because of mainly because subtle Asian traits show me how powerful online communities can really be. It makes you wonder why didn't anybody think about this before? Right? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Yeah, crazy. I, I think about that all the time, too. Like, sometimes I I find myself in a position where it's like, wow, like, I, you know, everybody gets imposter syndrome. Like, I'm like, wow, like, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be the leader. Right. Like, there's so many more other qualified people than me. And at the same time, it's like, why not me? Why can't I do it? Right? Because every time I make a decision for the community, it always comes from my heart. It comes from like not a place of greed. It comes from like, how do I make the community better? How can I push the community forward, right? And I realized that that is actually a pretty unique ability that a lot of people don't have because, you know, the advice I was getting at the beginning of the community was like, you can monetize this. You can make millions of that. You can sell your course. I don't do any of that, right? Because it's not who I am, right? For me at the core, it's like, how can I help the community? And it shows through the work. It shows because, you know, you could see and detect, you know, programs like the Vietnamese podcast or Asian Hustle Network. You could feel like, you know, we have to throttle 
all out with backing up our community and making sure that the um, the core of our mission is really to amplify. Well, for me, it's really to amplify. And it feels like that's the same way for AHN. It's like amplification yeah. of the, the business community uh, within the Asian world and here in America. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I must commend you guys too. Like we were talking earlier before the podcast, like I follow your Instagram, I listen to your podcast. It's like, you guys are doing some pretty good work. And the fact that you're able to pick up in the little cues in order to add more value to the community just shows me how plugged in that you and your team really are. Thank you. That's a shout out to my, um, the good house. They handle all of my social media. Um, and I've known Brittany over there for many, many years um, before we even embarked on this journey. And, you know, there's um, other heavy hitters that really, you know, um, talk to me about the work that I do, like Bao Win, you know, Anderson Lay, oh, all my partners over yeah. at East Films, you know, and I think Bao is on uh, HN uh, podcast as well. So shout yeah, out to those. Number one. Yeah. And even the conversations that I had with you and Maggie in the early days before I even um, jumped off and did this, because I've been wanting to do this for many years, too. And, uh, you know, talking to you and Maggie and my wife, Patricia, over at the 626 Night Market, all of these people are our communities. And, you know, it's empowering to have people who are there to support each other. Absolutely. And I mean, we met through Asian Hustle Network, right? It's like yeah. none of this relationship that happened. And a lot of people in the community would not happen without like this network. So I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. Let's talk about that imposter syndrome. Because I have it too, oh, and drove in spades. It's it's crazy that that never goes away, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like as human beings, like we're always going to have imposter syndrome, right? It doesn't matter who you talk to, and I'm pretty sure that you realize too, like having guests on your podcast, like it doesn't matter what age, what stage in life, where you're at, what you're doing, you're gonna wake up and be like, damn. Why me? <laughs> but but I, but I have a, a funny thing that it, funny observation, if. I meet people who don't have imposter syndrome. Sometimes, not all the time, but a lot of the times they're like imposters. Because <laughs> I feel like if you are doing the work and you're critical of your own work, you're going to have yeah. imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. That's just an inevitable. And if you don't have that that feeling that, um, that your work is not good enough and yada, yada, then chances are you're not really analyzing how good your work really is and mm -hmm. so you're just like oh i'm the shit i'm the best and yeah. you know yeah yeah i feel like a syndrome could be a good and bad thing mm. right where it's like it helps you reevaluate yourself like am i putting the best work out there yeah. am i doing a great job like am i becoming the person that i always wanted to become right and the bad thing is like it also leads to people quitting it leads to people yeah. stopping it leads to Oh no, I'm going to step down and let someone else step up because I'm not fit for this job, right? So it's more of a balancing act, really. And it's depending, depending on how you use it can help you further your career or not further your career, right? Yeah, but it's, it's like also tool. good to combine up with, with the right mindset too that I guess for me, it's like I always have the beginner's mindset where it's like, it doesn't matter who I talk to, I feel like I have something to learn, right? Whether I talk to someone younger, I learn about their generation, what they're going through. I talk to someone older, I get to pick their experience and what they're going through. But after talking to, like, I would say a lot of people already through the last few years through Asian Hustle Network, the truth is no one really knows what they're doing. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter what stage in life you are. You can be in your early 20s, 50s, 60s, 70s. No one knows the hell they're doing. Right? So the whole point is just do something that makes you happy and just kind of believe in it that it's going to make you happy. It is so true. Nobody knows. You know, like it, the 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 networks and and when you start to really dig into these networks and figure out who the players are those guys are still figuring it out and and, and rightly so exactly. because things change so quick yeah yeah everyone's still figuring things out so that's the sad thing about life it's like you look up to your mentors and you i don't know man i get the chance to talk to the people that I always admired i'm just like oh no he's just as confused as me <laughs> the only thing they all have in common it's like a sense of purpose and action like take Great. a lot of action right yeah, they Great. take a lot of action experience exactly and that's the main driver of like a normal person and an extraordinary person is just action is really what it is nothing else and that's true and they fail often too yeah you, yeah. you know one one beautiful thing about what i do um when i'm reading uh ahn the post on facebook is stories because they range from a kid in high school who has no idea what he wants to do, but in his fibers, you can tell that there's this entrepreneurial spirit. And then you read like yeah. the old guy who's like, you know, has gone through multiple businesses. There's such a range of inspirational stories. How did you formulate and how did you create that, that posting sort of like a uh, mechanism? Yeah, it's it was, it was hard at first, right? But it also was a, a lot of us based on my own interests. Like I love like CNN's big story. I love uh, humans of New York. I just love mm -hmm. reading people's story, even before Asian Hustle Network. It's something I was really obsessed with. So I think like back in like 2017, 2018, you look at my Google search history. It's like oh, it's like stories and inspirational mm -hmm. stories. And I'm like, okay, like. That's cool. I really like seeing as a big story because they're their only like big network that feature Asian story, right? So that sort of like became the premise of like what I want to build. And I realized that through my own personal experience, when I listen to the Korean community or Chinese or Japanese or whatever, we all have very similar upbringing, right? We all want the same things for our family. It's all about importance of a family, education, and hard work, and all those things. And what really surprised me is like none, none, like most people don't go out of their way to like listen to these stories, right? Once you listen to these stories, you realize that you have a lot more in common than you think. That's how you become a community when you find commonality, right? And the weird thing at the time was like, I'm not, I'm not religious in any way, but I was studying a lot of religion to figure mm -hmm. out, out like, why was religion so important back in like the warring era where it's like, you know, a lot of different cultures. How did Alexander the Great unify his community? Like, how did he do all those things? I looked into history itself and I realized that a lot of it is having a common belief, right? A common goal, a common purpose. And I need to find that commonality among the Asian community, which is family, which is hard work, which is education, you know, unfortunately, which is also money. <laughs> so it's like money is a huge factor that ties Asian communities together, by the way. <laughs> and hence the entrepreneurial spirit in our community, Asian Hustle Network. Um, but yeah, I mean, all that sort of just formulated into this premise, this idea that I wanted to now have to structure in a way where it's like, it becomes uh, duplicatable in the sense where we actually wrote outlines at the very beginning of our community of how do you share the perfect story? How do you get the best engagement? You know, we had, a, I think, I think the template's still out there somewhere inside the community, 
but we had like a guide, right? Because people were just asking us like, how can I get better engagement? How can I properly share my story? I think after like responding to a hundred people, I'm like, all right, this is a repeatable process. Let me, let's our team put together a guide. Shout out to Paulina on our team for making that guide. But that's really the premise of like how we got things started. But the hard thing is like, it's hard to get people to share at the very beginning, right? No one wants to share. So that's where our, our grit and grind comes in. It's like we message all our friends and be like, hey, like, could you share your story in the community? Here's the format. We'll take the time to like read your story and format it and give you advice on how to get the best engagement. And after doing that for like 40 posts, it created a culture in our community that wow. people could reference and like, wow, these are some really engaging stories that I can copy and sort of sell my story in the same format. Right. And, you know, years and years and years, I mean, two years now, two and a half years, people, the culture is there and it's very self-policing, like compared to what it was before. It's like people report things if they're not right. And they report all these scams and like, and Facebook automation and detection is great, but like there are some things that you know these telemarketers are doing right, but it's like they know how to avoid all the detections. And that's when the community kicks in. That's when the community is like, this is not right. This is our precious community. No one's going to wow. take that away from us and we'll protect it at all costs. And that's the part where I know for most people, when they look at their phone and be like, oh my God, I'm getting so many, so many notifications of keyword alerts and reports but i think it's a great beautiful thing because people care right and knowing that people care makes me more motivated and puts the team in the right position to add more value to the community you know knowing the grind and the grit of that story and how the posts evolved is such a beautiful story that you tell because i kept wondering for for all of these months and every time i uh, see AHN and I scroll and I read the stories. I'm like, how did the idea of, you know, because if you think about like um, humans of New York, you know, it's one person writing this wonderful, uh, the, right? It's one guy writing all of this stuff. But yeah, you have basically your own community doing that work. And it's done in a way that stylistically might be different from person to person. But the messaging of the struggle, what the actual activity was, what business idea, it kind of all falls in line in 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 sort of one format, but it's loosey goosey, but it's still, you get the same sense of inspiration walking out uh, from reading a post. Yeah, yeah. And the biggest thing with me, it's like, I don't want to control people's narratives. I never have had the mentality at all, right? And I feel that like the power goes in the community and in the individual person to share their story the way that they think is appropriate, right? And for too long, like, our narrative has always been controlled by someone else. It's always been controlled by the Western media. It's always been controlled by the yeah. government. It's always been controlled by something, right? So how do we enforce that and, like, really empower our community to be in the, like, the unique individuals that they really are? Because that's the only way that I feel that we can progress forward as Asian American or Asian whatever community in the world. And how has your mission changed from the early days to today? Um, for the most part, it's very much the same, you know, which is the uplift Asian entrepreneurs around the world. But I think now we kind of reward it and it was like, okay, how do we be more inclusive of the creative side? Because we realized being a creative and artist, hmm. you know, is just as entrepreneurial as like any other entrepreneur. But it, sometimes they don't, they don't call themselves entrepreneurs. 
So I guess our, our new model is like the super connectors of entre- of Asian entrepreneurs and creatives around the world. Beautiful. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Much so more reframe that. Yep, yeah. exactly. And and these creatives, a lot of them are such badass business people too. I mean, they're yeah. just animals, you know, they're beasts out there and they're creating these things that are m- making millions of dollars yeah. for either their companies or other people's companies and they're just their minds and how they connect uh, on a creative level to hook in the emotional aspect of, of yeah. selling products or or stories are just phenomenal i absolutely agree that statement it's always always funny to me to hear that oh i'm a creative i don't want dealing with the business side i don't know how many times i heard that right where it's like oh i just want to create art i don't want to worry, worry about my business side i don't have to worry about selling but guess what they're just pretty much the same thing yeah the same exactly yeah you know how did you figure out you know the control of you some of the posts in the early days were a little bit you know i i I don't know how to describe it but it was not in line with sort of like the mission that we just talked about somewhere a little bit like on the on the they were emotional side yeah and and some were just you know some were very sexual in nature and yeah all of these things were just very random how did you rein it in? That part is hard, right? It's, it's really an art form, really. Wow. And getting because I think the problem we had before, and the problem that people people in the community were really mad at us is like, how come Asian House Network so inconsistent? But the reality was like, we had That's like a community, fifteen people moderating with different opinions, right? It's like over time you have to be clear with your team, like what is the core mission? What are we trying to focus on? So like it started becoming tighter and tighter as people get more mm. clear of what Asian Hustle Network is. I think mean, at the very beginning is like we don't know what Asian Hustle. We we think what we think we know what Asian Hustle like Asian Hustle Network is, but we quite don't quite like we don't quite know. But now we have a very clear idea. Of its soul, its purpose. What is what is the point of the Asian Hustle Network? So because based on that, it's like okay, we're able to now like moderate correctly, right? You, give proper feedback to the community uh, like what sort of things are we are, are, are we looking for? I guess before it's like, we had such a tough problem, like managing the community's expectations of our, yeah. of our image. Whereas like, we're kind of, we were afraid to like reject a lot of posts because we wanted to keep the pulse going. Otherwise the community will die. Right. Yeah. But nowadays it's like, it's a, it's a huge, it's better because the the volume that we're getting every day i think i think we get like 100 200 300 pending posts a day and it's like okay now we now we can sort of pick the best of the best that fit our vision to get released and the rest we'll let them know like you know how to improve to, to for us to like you know be able to approve their posts in like inside the community wait a minute you get a hundred to two hundred entries into the system a day yeah people on the back end that has to go through the post to yeah and then how many are you actually posting a day Uh, i think between 14 to 25 per day shit yeah it's well this doesn't sound that extreme because a lot of it's like just one link to your business or a link to a random video or something like that and it's like easy to filter out those things right yeah like in terms of like giving feedback, it was probably not like another like 10% of like, okay, you're very, very close. Not quite there. Let me see if we can help you out a little bit more. Right. And we kind of 
um, we kind of put ourselves in a position where it's like we feel kind of obligated to give feedback because the worst thing that happened for us is for someone to pour their hearts out, share their story, mm-hmm. and not get any engagement on it. That's like the worst feeling in the world because it's just me. To them, they think the world doesn't care. It's my story. No one cares about my story. And we're trying to prevent that by giving feedback and like proper like wow tips. That- that is an amazing um, point that you bring up because I've been thinking about this for the last three minutes and saying, okay, well, you know, how, what, what's like, what, is that fair that there's like a body of people that are, you know, um, censoring what is posted? But the reality is really you are in it to make sure that the poster, the people who post get the engagement so they feel like their, their stories are, are engaging enough and it, it's actually beneficial for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's we always put the community first. Right. And then that's yeah. the part that people kind of forget too. It's like, why is my post not approved? Why is that not approved? Right. What people don't understand is that every single post that goes through actually alters the culture a bit. Right. Because you let through like all these sexual or promotional posts, it's like it devalues the group and devalues it for everybody. Right. And over time, the vision gets eroded. And we can't be this everlasting organization for the Asian community that we want to be, right? Yeah, this whole idea of inclusion and exclusion is a very tricky science. It is, it is. I feel like <laughs> when you look at like the bigger picture and like the governments and like, no one's getting this right. <laughs> you know, as you get older, you get more plugged in and more aware. You're like, damn, I, I kind of feel the government's pain and you know, how do you keep the community <laughs> together? And <laughs> it's like, it's hard yeah you know uh recently um bao had asked me to read uh the art of gathering you know we were putting an an event together that i invited you to for Mm -hmm. you know for that and in the book the art of gathering there's um so much talked about uh regarding intention and it talks about the idea of exclusion and inclusion and we are actually doing a favor to our own people who are friends of ours that either get included or excluded. And it could be something as simple as your sister who's excluded from a dinner that you're hosting just for your mom and dad and your own kids, right? It's just, you really have to think about the reasons for doing it. And it is so painful for somebody like me to carry out these it's just painful because I love to have people, the more the merrier, but I'm learning yeah. now through this work that we do have to really think about how we do this. Yeah, uh, that brings up a really good point too. <laughs> so as some of you guys know, I recently got engaged like last week and we were just sort of thinking about our wedding. Like, man, like how do we like invite everyone? <laughs> because we know, we know a lot of people, right? And it's like, it's the same story. It's like, how do you choose and pick who you want to pick because unfortunately there's a limited amount of seating and like unfortunately there is also a budget that we have to go by right yeah it's like it just made me think of what you said just now it's like how do you how do you mix and match groups and be inclusive and exclusive yeah i mean i think i wish that that book was around for me i had access to before i got married as well um because it really does help you analyze what's important you know really puts it into perspective you know this woman worked at the highest levels and you know almost at the lowest levels with her friends and family but you know at the highest levels of you know in in government and corporate situations for people and um really well thought out she's really 
thought about this stuff and it's a painful conversation um if you don't um have the tools that um that the book you know the art of gathering if you don't have those tools it could be a very painful process but this lessens the pain um as you begin to understand the dynamics of what happens mm -hmm. yeah i definitely need to pick up that book and read it some more it sounds really cool yeah so what what are some of the challenges of that whole idea of inclusion and exclusion as you're doing um the business the ahn business that's hard right um for the most part I'm just naturally a very inclusive person. Like I want everybody to be involved. Yeah. Like I just, I just love like just connecting people together. Right. But at the same time, it's like, you have to have some sort of metric and standard of who you, who you want to connect because I learned sometimes that connecting people together is great. But when you connect people together that are meant to meet causes a lot more problems, if anything. Mm. Right. Where it's like, you have to get to the point where you kind of value people's time really well. It's like, they can't just sit around answering some basic questions or, you know, the, the 30 minute conversation that you set people up with the 20 minutes is like, how are you? How are you doing? It never gets to the point. And it's like, damn, like it also makes the community, it makes me look bad really. And it's like I, I, with the intention to help. So now you have to find people with the right mindset in life, the right, the right goal, the right stage in life, right. Yeah. The right grit. And like that's the, that's the where I, I kind of think about like okay like how can I match people up with similar energy similar stage or not even similar stage like one a person that can help this person break through you know and I think that all comes down to a lot of EQ when you listen to a personal yeah. conversation because when you hear a person's perspective and story and where they're at it, it tells me a lot about who they are as, as people and I, I realized that the thing is like when you intently listen to people's stories and what they're asking for, it's very obvious of what they're looking for, right? They're trying to sell a course. They're trying to do this. They're trying to raise money. It's, it's always, you have to be aware that it's always coded and like, I want to help the community. They always say that I want to help the community, but when you listen to it deeply enough, it's like you're helping yourself. <laughs> you know? and, and, that's, and that's the part where I kind of have to sense out and like, okay, vet that part through. Because to me, it's like, if I can sense that you really are selfless, I'll push you to the top, hmm. right? And for me, it's like, there's there's a lot of people who are like, oh, like, I think you should host this event. It'll help the community out a lot. Like, here's here's my venue. Here's my businesses. You can use me for everything. <laughs> I was just like, ah, dude, you're just helping yourself. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and it's pretty easy to detect those, those type of people. So that's like my first vetting process is like, hmm. listen intently with the, the intention that, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. They're here to help the community. But what people want and what people think and, you know, you know, people, I think people underestimate how smart people really are at different yeah. ages, right? And it doesn't matter, like, if you're a teenager or in your 20s, 30s, whatever, like, we all have the ability to detect BS <laughs> really fast. I, I really do think that it's hard to um, work with uh, in in this space especially um with the idea of community first it's a very diff difficult thing to practice because ultimately we have limited hours in a day we need to make money we all have this ec economics of our life and you know when you think about community first it's counterintuitive to making money it's counterintuitive you're like i gotta give away all this shit. i gotta give away my free time but in the community building 
is sort of where the the growth of this happens yeah yeah they're highly connected by the way it's uh, i believe i mean it sounds really weird for me to say but we got to the point where we had to monetize our asian house network like we can't be just to get just gives like just to give your listeners an idea of how selfless we used to be we hosted nine events around the world and we made it free for everyone right and like we ate the cost because our vision was to create this community that was more inclusive like we didn't we didn't really like we didn't look for sponsors we didn't ask people to pay for anything um but we realized that, that there is a key difference of doing things from your heart and being sustainable and economical right because like i realized that we had our first wave of attrition and early in like mid 2020 2020 and that was like the first time they hit me i was like damn like passion can only get you so far but if yeah. you're not feeding your team and you're not building the resources everything will come crumbling down super super hard right and that's like one thing i realized with community building is like with the community when you have great intentions it's like people will always come to you with more and more opportunities right and and that's that's the thing too and that part led me down to like meeting our, our key sponsors like mcdonald's kia toyota retail recently and it's like there's opportunities everywhere but the vision is like you have to keep the resources abundant for your community and sort of just find other business models to like corporations that <laughs> that want to reach your community yeah make sure that your brand messaging is aligned but i could argue it's arguable that without the nine free events without the giving that you yeah. just articulated, it there would be no followers. There would be no um, community that could grow quickly because if you start charging in the beginning for yeah. listening to the podcast or for for anything, you just don't get the growth. And so I think like whenever people start these kind of movements, which I encourage people to start, but you have to really think about the grit, the determination that you got yeah. in this type of game because it requires a minimum in my opinion of two years of just going nonstop full time and um really putting your nose to the grind for free and giving and giving and giving and giving yeah until the the resources start to show up yep and i can't agree with that statement more right there's again to clarify there is no regret of doing things for free yeah. i would do it again in a heartbeat i would continue doing that if i can yeah right like i said the turning point was like Damn, half my team's dropping off. <laughs> it's like, what, what do I do? I had to take care of them, you know? And that's the painful part of, of managing everything. It's not just the ex, like the external side of like yeah. taking care of the community itself, but like internally, it's like, you know, people were developing, people who were, were all into our mission that were developing like mental health, is, mental health issues from being on social media too much, you know, and dealing with all these, these internal things that, you know, complaints and messaging and, you know, anger. And you're like, man, like it's, it kind of sucks dealing with people. Right. But yeah. at the same time, it's like people also make the world, the world really beautiful. Um, but it, to me, it's like, it all came so fast. It all really came really fast. It's like my heart's like, oh, I don't, I still got to take care of the community. But the other side of my heart is like, oh, my team members are like not doing great. I need to like take a step back and reevaluate everything. And like how we do things more sustainably, sustainable, moving forward yeah and i'm i'm sure you're just scratching the surface with the sort of the 
the monetizing model because it's like we're still all trying to figure this stuff out there's no playbook for this yet yeah yeah like there's no playbook for monetizing community um at the same time it's like like i said before if there's not a need for me to monetize community i wouldn't do it right yeah like for us to continue growing give back grants and scholarships and investments like we need to continue growing bigger and bigger and bigger to like fulfill that vision now the name Asian Hustle Network, um, going back to inclusion and exclusion. Was there ever a time in your mind where you're just like, um, wait, there could be other communities of color or even white people? Yeah. Did that ever cross your mind? Or are you like, nah, fuck that. I'm going all in. <laughs> I'm buying. I'm going all in here with this name. Or no, was, I, there, I, was there an iterative you know, process? That it was. You, okay. It was. Um that brings, oh man, this brings me back to the very beginning of Asian Hustle Network, right? And I, I think that we decided to pick, to choose the word Asians because I want people to be, to be well aware how big the Asian community really is, right? And I think that when you look into the nuances of the Asian community, I would say that there's so many ethnic groups inside this, the word Asian itself. And I'm like, okay, like if we don't focus on our, you know, our, our group it's like we're not going to be able to accomplish any of our goals right and i was pretty obsessed with the fact that we need to stay focused we need to focus on one thing at a time right the word asian to me it's like we want to focus on the asian community but it doesn't mean we're excluding any other race right and i see that and i've been preaching that for a long time because at the beginning people are like i'm not asian can i join asian hustle network i'm like yeah like come join us like we want to hear your story too and see how similar things are and like your your upbringing and we want to form allyship and partnership and you know amplify all across our communities right but at the same time it's like the focus needs to be an asian community because that's where all the problem lies right until we figure out that we are one family that we're one group that we can work together I don't think that we should make the title so generic like hustle network, right? Because every culture and every ethnic group has their nuances of how things are being solved. Yeah. And we have our nuances too that, to be honest, like we're not even at the beginning of the iceberg to like solving these issues because yeah. they're like passed down for generations. If you really think about it, our parent, our grandparents' generation, like a couple generations ago, were literally fighting each other in Asia. <laughs> it's like it's a lot of. It's actually more recent than you really think, right? And it's like, <laughs> how do we get along? I mean, that's, that's the first question. Is like, how do we get along first before we start focusing on other people's problems? Yeah. Now, when like um, a Latino person or a black person, you know, post or has you know, attempted to, to, to post. Yeah. What do you, how do you reply to that? I honestly, as long as it fits our theme and our structure, we'll let it through. And it was catching me, catching me, catches me by surprise of how inclusive the community really is. I love like seeing like the, the Asian community comment underneath the stories of, Oh my God. Like I didn't realize the Latino community did that too. Or like, oh, you guys are so about culture or I love your food or I love this and that. It's like, it's very, very welcoming, hmm. right? Extremely welcoming. Of course, you get one or two comments are like, "Why are you here?" Because <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like, but this is where the self policing comes in, where it's like people actually comment underneath those comments and be like, "No, we're inclusive. Like, we're here as a family," and that makes me really happy, right? Like, the, the less I step in, the happier I am because I'm like, okay, like, the community is gonna is gonna be okay. 
and they have has a lot of good memories and good people in it to like keep it going have you ever lost it like online where you're like you're reading shit and this is <sighs> up and i gotta step in and i gotta i gotta do something about this many times uh can you give me some examples yeah i think i think there was a recent example even yesterday where it's just like i think someone comment underneath someone's post is like oh are you a fucking guru like get the fuck out of here like fuck you i was like dude like chill <laughs> you know that's not the culture we're trying to build there's more constructive ways to say something like that and they were right? commenting on somebody else's post or something yeah yeah and luckily for us like our we have pretty good uh, keyword detections in Facebook where it shows us immediately on my phone. I'm like, whoa, within like one or two minutes, like we caught it, right? That's how fast we usually are, like catching these things. And so you jump in and what what is the process of removing it or? Yes. Yeah. So you... If it's like too vulgar like that, we automatically remove it and we find time to like DM the person and be like, hey, like this is not acceptable, right? This is not cool. Um, and then more likely to put them on a 14 day suspension where they can't comment <laughs> or, or something. And at that point is like, they have the option to leave or become a better person. And right? what, what kind of replies do you get? Generally. It ranges, it ranges. Sometimes I'm so sorry. I understand. Or it's like, fuck you guys. Like, I don't give a fuck about this. <laughs> it's like, you know, you get to the point where it's like, you know, you can't make everyone happy, but you have to keep the mission intact. Right. And it, as long as you're clear with the criteria that you want, it's like people understand that, you know, this is what this is what the vision is for the community. Now, what was it like working with your girlfriend at the time? Now, fiance. What, oh man, challenges. Working, what kind of the good things were? You know, all of it. I want to hear it. Yeah, working with her has always been really fun, right? Because I think she balanced me balanced me out a lot. For me, it's like, I'm like the chaotic one with a lot of different ideas and I want to execute yeah. a lot of different things. And most of the time I do, like I do execute them to the highest level, but I have a habit of like burning myself out. And that's where she kicks in. She's like, baby, maybe she cut down some of these projects. What's most important to us? And she comes more like my operation side where it's like, are you thinking about this clearly? Like, I know, you're, I know you can execute, but like, can you do this to like 115%, right? And just having someone there to like keep me balanced and like keep the organization balanced and I keep her balanced as well. Uh, because Maggie does have a habit of like self-doubt, which is something that I never, it's not part of my vocabulary. <laughs> self-doubt, right? And it's like we balance each other out by pushing each other forward. Um, but it's not all rosy and rainbow. We have a lot of times where we kind of bump heads a bit. Like yeah, how, absolutely. How we want to execute certain things or what should come first and what should come last. But then we learned that it, our intentions are there. As long as we remember that our goals are very similar, that if we really like pen and paper it down to like what's important, it's pretty obvious. So like what should come first and what doesn't come first. Right. And it's pretty easy to let your emotions kind of kick in too and be like, no, I'm right. Once you let through the, or once you let down your emotion and, you know, become more logical, it's very cohesive for us to work together and uh, i couldn't imagine a better co-founder and a better partner yeah but damn that that is so challenging you know somebody you know your lover your your wife potentially you know your future yeah. wife and potentially all of the, the 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 heavy uh stuff of you know whatever you're going through in your relationship bring brought into the professional space and you're yeah. building together this stuff and 
God, it's just so much, so many moving parts. It is. It is tough. And I don't know why I got this analogy when I was uh, kayaking in the ocean a couple of months ago that I remember that. So we went on a group kayaking trip and there was an odd number. So I volunteered to be by myself in my own kayak. And I realized like when I was paddling, I couldn't paddle as far as like my friends who had a pair. And it doesn't matter if the pair is weaker or smaller or whatever, right? But they always end up paddling a lot faster than me, right? And the reality is when I was watching Maggie paddle with one of her girlfriends, I honestly couldn't keep up with them because there's two people pushing the paddle along. It's the current and they got further than me. And to be honest, they got to the island that I never got to because everyone started turning around to go home. I never got there. So I turned around and I was by myself. And that was like, to me, that was like the perfect analogy of having a partner with you the whole time with the ride, because you can actually go a lot further, right? I think at the out of gate, like I went pretty fast, but to get to the island against all the current that's coming against me, I couldn't make it. But to be honest, like, I, I, I'm prideful. Like, I think I'm pretty built. I think I'm pretty strong. I think I'm like, I, I got this. I get to the island. I couldn't get there, right? And it takes a team. It takes people to go further. And that's a great analogy to like, I don't know why during, when I was in the kayak, I was just thinking about business and so grateful to have Maggie as my partner. Cause I'm like, yeah, like just pushing along together, chugging along. Like gets us so much further along. It's a beautiful analogy. And, um, you know, whatever fighting or infighting happens on the kayak, I mean, you're still paddling, you still got to get to where you got to go, but you know, yeah, it's tougher by yourself. Definitely, definitely tougher by yourself. And especially if you, you know, in this day and age where we're all wanting to just kind of be by ourselves, And because I think, you know, the screen time, social media, all of that fulfills a, a different sort of like takes care of the lonely factor that um, people my generation, we didn't have any of that. And so <laughs> you always want to be paired up. But today uh, we lose fact, we lose sight of the fact that, uh, you know, with two people who who really genuinely um, have one goal uh, in mind. It, it really pushes you and it makes you grow as a human being too. You know, yeah. the, the difficulty of being with somebody really does help push you to grow. If you can find somebody who um, who's willing to be open-minded about change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for us, it's like, you know, the hard, hard part, it was like, how do you distinguish a business and relationship? Because like, yeah, I think that, in the first year of Asian Hustle Network, like we just talk about the organization every minute of the day. And it's like, we lose out all the quality time. And mm. over time we realized that was a problem, right? So actually, what we actually do now is like we schedule in date nights, we schedule in quality time where it's like phones down, not talking about business. You have to talk to each other about like, how are you doing? What's on your mind? What are your goals? You know, what are your concerns? Cause it's so easy to like get into the groove of things professionally and you lose the personal connection that makes your relationship great right and i think it came out randomly too like like from a random fight that we had it was like you don't even know what i'm going through i'm like oh shoot that's right we work together every day and how do i not know that yeah right and that's the part we have to learn about boundaries like time management distinction intentional conversations all these things in order to like make a healthy relationship again and it's it's a living breathing thing right if you don't work on it it goes away yeah my parents generation because they worked together it was just like 
I, wh who are you going through? I don't care what you're going through. You're with me every day. Why don't you <laughs> say something? You know, it, it wasn't yeah. as intentional. Yeah. Our generation is, yeah, you have to be intentional with everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you're, you know, you're like a rudder, uh, a boat without a rudder. Exactly. Yeah. The stop the hate, um, movement and the idea of all of this violence per portrayed on to uh asian people i yeah. i can only speak specifically about something that i want to know about right now and um maybe we can expand uh this idea be because i think it's a it's a very relative topic to our community but i want to i want to go down drill down in the details first before we expand out let's do it so I've always wondered why, and maybe I'm just misinformed. I'm here to ask questions. Um, why is there more of that happening in the Bay Area? Because you, ha you have connections to both Bay Area and SoCal. You're very uh, well-versed yeah. with both these locales because of the, the way you grew up and the way you lived uh, in your career. Why do you think that there, or is there more happening in the Bay Area versus SoCal? And what's the dynamics of all that? Yeah, that's a great question, right? Um, I think personally, in SoCal, it's more of a driving city. Where it's like the opportunity to like harm someone is mm -hmm. much less because you're always inside a car. But SF is like there's almost like no car culture. It's like almost looked down upon because you're hurting the environment. There's no parking and you're always your car broken too. So reality is like you need to walk everywhere in order to get anywhere. And whenever you walk anywhere, it's like you have more opportunities to be attacked. Uh. But at the same time, it's you know. It's also, I don't want to put blame on anyone, right? It's not here what I'm trying to do, but you realize that, you know, historically the crime rate in the Bay has always been off the charts, right? And you look at the policies and everything, it's like, you know, the DA is like letting people out on a warning from like robbing Walgreens or things like that. And I think that over time people got accustomed to that they can get away with every, anything and everything, right? And I guess mixing with the, with the like not to get political like mixing with the like rhetorics from our previous president of like oh like the china flu or whatever it gets into people's minds that now they have a problem that they can blame now they have a, a target that they, they can blame and you know when you're going through stuff bad stuff in life and you just need to you know let things out and you need to be angry or something because things are not working your way you're, you're going to find targets that you think Scapegoats. are the problem. Scapegoats, right? And historically, to get into history, that this this has happened many, many times throughout the history of humanity, right? And not to get, again, not to get political, but like, you know, when Hitler's blamed the Jews and the other and other countries blame other ethnic groups for their problems, right? And that, that kind of falls in line with like what we're seeing right now. It's like, you know, we're always when you listen to like these crime videos and hear like what they actually say, it's like, you hear stuff like, this is your fault. This is the, the pandemic is your fault. Like this is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, damn, like this is scapegoating. And it comes from like the, the system itself that, that started all of this. Right. And then we can't neglect that because the system enables the mentally ill and hmm. the frustrated and the people don't have their own internal systems do their frustration to like go out there and like do all these horrific things in our community. That's what I realized. Yeah. And then the really sad part of all of this is like, 
the attackers attacking it's we're all living in the same community yeah and it's not like it's not like you know it's a skin problem or a skin tone issue where it's like truly some ideological shit that's come like what you said from the previous setup i mean the, the rhetoric from the previous setup um yeah we don't want to get political but at the same time it's just like god damn we're all in the same boat together you know and 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 how could this have happened now yeah and then you, the white still backwards now the white uh the white societies, the the privileged society, the 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 more upscale, they're like unscathed. You know, it's like, but yeah, it's all of us hurting each other at the bottom, and it's like, yeah, nuts. Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's like you don't really understand that the systemic racism and like all these things in place and the nuances that happen. It's so easy to pit black against Asians or whatever, right? I never, I never really try to get to that point where it's like, oh yeah, it's all like we're all being attacked by the black community. It's not that. It's not true at all. No, systemically, but, it all links together from like the the white side and the black. Side. It's everyone's fault, really. <laughs> what how this is created? But but see, but I can imagine though, and this is something I I wanted to ask you too. It's like the business community in Asian America are predominantly, you know, they're sometimes they're. A lot of it is conservative folks that that, that yeah. have ideas about you know blacks attacking Asians. I mean, so aren't you having to contend with that question constantly, all the time, right? And I guess from the back inside, where a lot of people can't see, it's always like, why is the black community always attacking our community? Right? I get that I, all the time now too. Yeah, you, you probably have an idea of like why we need to stand up for ourselves and like go out to mess up their community. <laughs> just, no, 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 not doing things right. <laughs> oh man, and that's you know that's how we created uh, hate is a virus, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like hate really is a virus. It's pretty much the basis of everything, and and that's the way for for myself to be extremely political and like extremely like quote-unquote woke right because you can't unfortunately in my opinion like you can't really have that this type of mentality asian hustle network because the, the foundation they were built on the asian community is so fragmented and thin already that any sort of any sort of big opinion will like tear the community back apart we start yeah. square one right so i read to start a, a brand new community with the purpose of, like stop stopping hate you know stopping asian hate stopping hate in general like let's be political as you want let's talk about this and let's talk about systemic racism. Let's talk about the rhetoric. Let's talk about everything. Let's talk about political stuff, like the policies, the DAs. Like that's how we get people to understand. Like there's more than just like we want things to be black and white. Right? It just makes life a lot easier. It's like you're a bad person, you're a good person. But the reality is, like there is a lot more that goes into that. We just have to educate ourselves to learn more. And many times, people like me were just lazy. We're just lazy. We don't want to hear about it. I, every time I see political headlines, I'm the first guy to get turned off. Hate is a virus. Stop Asian hate. I'm like, it's just too much. But at the same time, we need to some, it's like going to the gym. I mean, it's a stupid analogy, but it's, you have to go into the gym to work these issues out and you got to yeah. like get in there and like really push yourself to like learn it. And I find myself at the tip of the iceberg, just trying to get through the day and not avoid these uh, topics. And it's not only just for myself, but obviously for my community work. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, really. Like we all have so many things that in our lives. Yeah, this just sucks adding one more thing, but like just having the sense of awareness, education. It's like okay, you have more understanding of like what needs to be done, right? And in my mind, at least, I'm like, damn, like we need like more leaders than just a handful we have now, right? I think I can only name like five Asian political leaders, and it's like. They're like they've been elected for a long time, right? So how do you get like a new blood, new opinions, new ideas to come in, right? And like really change things up and make things better. It's hard, yeah. There's so much to. I mean, it's a thankless job. Oh, everything. <laughs> everything we do is quite thankless, but it's for the community. So you have a lot of interests. You have a lot of um, things that you have going on in your life, both inside and outside of business. How do you mitigate and how do you juggle it all and prioritize things? Yeah, so I guess from like a mental health standpoint, I try to see things as not work, but more fun, right? And the question I always ask myself is, if I had all the time and the money in the world, what would I do? And it always comes back to to this. It always comes back to like, I want to help the community. I want to progress our community forward. And originally, I thought that was just me. So I talked to a bunch of my other friends too. And it's just out of the blue type of thing. It's like, if you guys have all the money in the world, what do you guys do right now? <laughs> you know? And the first thing people always say is, I want to travel. Uh, or I want to like build a nonprofit or something to like help the community. It always comes back to helping other people, right? And that's like the affirmation that I got. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like, uh, you know, this is what I want to do. And it never really felt like work to me, right? But at the same time, it's like, how do I combine my own personal interests into what I'm doing? And I personally love investing. I love people's story. So guess what? Those are the two main pillars of Asian Hustle Network that doesn't make feel like work for me. Yeah, I get to listen to people's stories every day. I get to meet cool people every day. And we start our age and venture fund, Right. I love investing. Like I, that part will never disappear from me. But how do I invest in a way with that progress the community forward, right? And it's just not from a organization or a person's personal gain. But how do we push forward ideas of very smart people that don't have the right the right environment to help them progress forward? And what you realize about the the venture world and the startup world is that a lot of founders who became founders actually come from really privileged backgrounds, mm. right? I know this is a big claim that I'm making. That's yeah. from, my, from my observation because, you know, I, I grew up as a 66 kid and for me to be in this position, position is complete luck, right? And the, the, when I was starting Asian Hustle Network, there's no way I'm going to ask my mom for even like 10K or 20K. There's no way. That's like their life savings, right? Yeah. And the reality is like you need some sort of privilege in order to, to make that jump or like take that risk. And when I really look back into it some more, and that's where my imposter syndrome kicks in, it's like I have friends who are a lot smarter than me, like a shit ton smarter than me that are like, you know, still working nothing wrong with a day job, but like just working like an accountant job or whatever, something that I feel like it's below their or like full potential because we're never offered the resources or told that we can do it. Right. And that's the biggest thing to this, this world and like seeing other founders of privileged backgrounds because their parents are like, yeah, go for it. You can do it. Take that risk. Yeah. You know, you know, some people can't afford that, that luxury. Right. And that's the part where it's like, I love investing, but I want to find people with that background 
I don't have that resource that come from Bro. like the probability of like not becoming an entrepreneur. I want to find you. I don't want to make sure that you change your life because you you guys are the ones that continuously come back to your own community and build a foundation and change other people's lives with similar background. And I know, again, I don't want to get political, but this is the part where I feel like they're evening, we're evening out the playing field, right? Because mm-hmm. I always consider myself a poor kid. And I always took pride in that. Like getting financial aid in college was a pride thing, you know? Wow. It's like, wow, you didn't get financial aid. You must be rich. For me, it's like, ah, you know, most of my college is paid for because my parents are so poor. <laughs> you know? It's something I took pride in. And, and I, want, I want to make sure that, you know, someone that got as lucky as me can give back to other people. And I want other people to give back to the other people that, that came from their backgrounds. Can, can we talk about in the remaining times, can we talk about like this, the mechanics of this fund? Is it a fund or what? what yeah, is... yeah, it's a fund. Okay. Yeah. How does so... it get, how did, how did you put money into it? Who brought in the money and how does it get distributed out? Yeah. So shout out to my partners, uh, Irving Cow and, uh, and uh, Norman Liang. Those guys are, I think Ir- uh, Irving has been investing for like 15, 16 years. So is Norman. They both have their own venture fund. I actually met them randomly. Uh, not randomly, but I met them at like a venture meetup or something in SFNLA. I met them separately. Um, and, you know, they, they approached me. They're like, hey, like, how does, how do we give back more wow. with an Asian hustle network? And I told them that I always had the idea of creating our own venture fund. But at the time, like my knowledge is very, very limited, but I'm willing to learn. And I really appreciate them because they really took the op- like they really took the chance to like kind of walk me through and mentor me week by week but of course i had to fill in gaps right because i can't just hop into every meeting yeah. and ask you the same damn questions <laughs> you know i'd be like okay how have we structured this what is the kickback blah blah, blah. have you raised money and they really like tied me in with the world that they're part of introduced me to a lot of people and made me realize that hey like there's something called social currency right and that can actually be turned into a lot of capital if you use it correctly. And the capital can be used to benefit the community, right? And this is where I realized that I have, like again, earlier, like you said, like giving, 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 giving has built up a lot of social currency for myself. And now I'm finally cashing into it and yeah. using that for good, right? Um, but that's kind of where the idea came from. It's like, I thought about it and then, it's crazy when you're thinking about something long enough and hard enough. The universe is like, yo, this is how you do it. Wow. Seize it. This yeah. is your opportunity. Right. I always find it so fascinating. Like whatever that I want to do, and I feel kind of obsessed with it. And that the next time I go out or something, like the universe presents itself. But you have to be aware of those opportunities and what you want. Because the more intentional you are, the more intentional the universe will help you out. Yeah, that sounds like um, a lot of woo-woo magic, but it is so true. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Like, but I mean, if you think about it, right? Like, if you have intentions and you don't put actual words to the ideas, how yeah. the hell is it going to materialize? It's very simple. If you think about it on that level, it's a very simple dynamic. You have to like think it into words, and those words are what materializes into reality. Yeah, not just that. It's like thinking about long enough and hard enough and like strategically influence your subconscious mind to make those decisions, right? Because subconsciously, why would I, why don't, why would I be attending all these VC dinners? Mm. Right. I found my way. I found, I remember, like, I remember asking people, Hey, like, 
can I, can I learn more about your fun? Can we set up a Zoom call? Can we do this and that? Uh, yeah, yeah, come on, learn about our fun. Like, come to our event. We're actually having a mixer. We're having this and that. And I think that, you know, although those decisions may seem intuitive right now, but at the same time, it was from, like, my subconscious mind. Like, just doing that because this has always been something I've been thinking about, right? And my subconscious, like, subconscious mind is like, let me help you out. Let me push you forward. And wow. when you go to these things, yet the probability of meeting the right people to help you is, is much, much higher. And that's exactly what happened. Okay, but there was a problem to this. There was a flaw to, to this um, model, yeah. which is this. What if you don't have the natural inclination to keep drilling down and being obsessed about it? That's a problem that some people don't have, right? Yeah. It's, it's like chicken and egg. If you don't have the ideas or if you don't have that internal drive, how do you develop it? How do you, because there's a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs who, who want yeah. to have this seed of this drive, but they don't know where to foster the growth of that initial seed. So how does that yeah. even happen for somebody? So I think it starts with yourself, right? It starts with who you are as a person. I think a lot of us have, this feeling that we want to do more great things and it's always in here it's always always in your mind and it gets lost in there because you just get lost in your thoughts and you just have a lot of things to worry about what really helped me out and i don't mind showing on the podcast too is that i literally write in my journal every day free flow for the past six years without missing a single day oh, shit. right and what really helps me it's that it's sorts out my thoughts. I write for pen and paper and I realized there is a sequence, there is a pattern that, you know, I want to do something like this. And it becomes more and more obvious that that should be my first priority. And when I pinpoint that as my first priority, now my subconscious mind can ring, ring, run into action and connect the dots for me, right? Because a lot of people don't take the time to organize their thoughts. They don't take the time to organize their emotions. They don't take the time to understand who they are, what their potential, what their strengths and weaknesses are, right? A, a lot of us just like comparing to each other. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But everyone has a potential if you're able to sort things out. And once you sort things out, great things will happen. Brian, I feel so honored and privileged <laughs> to get that little bit. I mean, I've heard about journaling all the time, but you know, I, I see what you do. I mean, I've, you know, I, I see the, the ecosystem that you've built, but now it's a very uh, clear thing that if you're not journaling, you're not organizing. If you're not organizing, you're not watering the the seed of the dynamics of, of, of the intention. Yeah. And in order to get this all out, you have to do the work and you have to sit. Now, what are you writing? Um, so, so my first three bullet points are always my goals. My goal is always like purpose, people, process, right? Those are three things I live by. Am I, am I doing things I want to do? Am I helping the people? And am I organizing things into a way that's constructive, right? So people, purpose, people, process. And the next thing I write are three things I'm grateful for. Because as human beings, you know, before I started writing why I was grateful for certain things, I was oftentimes very ungrateful, right? I'm like, I don't have that nice car. I don't have that nice house. I don't have like all these, all these things, right? It's easy to follow down my path. And I realized that keep myself in check. I'm like, what is important to me is most important, right? 
And I think by starting that, I started to eliminate a lot of my materialistic ideas of what success is. Right. I started like, I don't need that. I actually don't need that nice car because it doesn't make me happy. Right. I'm not saying you don't, you shouldn't do it. If you have the opportunity to do it, I would say just do it. But realize that it's just a material at the end of the day. It doesn't bring you full happiness. Right. And a lot of things lately I've been writing about that I'm grateful for is that I'm grateful for good friends. I'm grateful for my health, grateful for my parents. Right. Um, Because those are the things that are most important to you in life. And you don't continuously remind yourself, it's easy to forget. You know, it's easy to, to, especially, I guess, in my positions, like you meet a lot of privileged people. You're like, oh, why did my parents teach me that? Or I wish they were more rich or I wish I had that growing up. It's so easy to do that if you don't fall into the habit of being grateful for where you came from, what you do have already. Right? And it all comes back to like keeping yourself in check and keeping yourself happy. You know, in Vietnamese, we have this saying, um, I'm going to bust it out right now, which means yes. you are young that. and you have high talent. Yeah. And uh, today I learned that more uh, about you. Uh, no, we each other for a few, few years now, and uh, it truly um, showed today, you know, the the depth of the way uh, your process goes. And um, I am uh, gr very grateful to have this opportunity to to speak with you and to have you on uh, the podcast. Thank you so much, Brian. You're doing great, great work. You know, like I remember, I remember us talking like, almost like a year and a half ago about you starting a podcast. And here you are. It's a live wall. You have a lot of fantastic guests. Your Instagram is amazing. So keep up the great work. Thank, Thank you. you. Shout out again to Good House, the, the team that manages the, the social media side. And Brent, thank you once again. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening.